pleasure to be with you here this morning. I, I love that song. I think different songs will will speak differently into our lives, whatever the season may be. But but the truth in that song, Christ alone, cornerstone. Uh, that is the God who we are here this morning to worship, uh, and it is my pleasure to bring the word before you this morning. We will continue in Mark chapter 3. Uh, we're studying verses 1 through 6 this morning. Uh, you can feel free to open your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, if you need a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. Uh, if, you, if you just need one, we, we have them downstairs. It's not a big deal. If you, if you need a Bible, it's great to have uh, in front of you so that you can see God's Word in front of you. And that, that, is, that is what we are studying this morning, God's Word. And it is a great pleasure to do so. I was a senior in high school when I uh, started learning to play the guitar. And it was uh, just out of the blue, some just had the desire to play guitar, and that little did I know that, that God had plans for me in, in leading worship in, in college ministry and all that. But, but I, I started learning to play the guitar as a senior in high school, and, and I, I didn't know that it was going to be as painful as it was going to be uh, with my fingers pressing the strings and all of that. But um, has anyone ever learned to play the guitar? Anyone? We've, we've got a few. Uh, it's, it can be a little painful. At times, but but eventually, your fingers will develop calluses, right? You've experienced that. You, you kind of and and you know, guitar is not the only th- only thing that'll give you calluses on your hands, but this fits as an illustration, so we're going with it. But it 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 you know, I I kept playing and I I was playing guitar more and more. Uh, I thought about giving up because of how much it hurt at one point, but. As I played more and, and pressed my fingers against the strings more, the calluses on my fingers got thicker and thicker. And, and, and my fingers were, were covered with dead skin. Uh, it, was, it was, you could just look at them and see them. It kind of got gross at times. But they were numb. My fingers were numb to the touch of the strings. And I think the Pharisees in our text for this morning had a bit of a similar experience. Now, they weren't playing guitar or anything. They were adding to God's law. And the more they added, the more they, they added these rules the thicker the calluses on their hearts became till eventually they were numb to God's Word. Their hearts were thick and calloused and dead. And we see this morning how Jesus reacts to that. So would you follow along in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, as I read our text for this morning. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. 
and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can know you through it, and I do pray, God, this morning that you would draw us closer to yourself. Help us to see, God, any hardness that remains in our hearts and help us to bring that to you, that you might soften us by your word. We pray, God, that you would be with us this morning, be with, um, be with our time, be with our focus and our attention, God, direct it to you and help us uh, to go from this place changed, God, by your word and the power of your spirit. We love you, God. We praise you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I think we need to, we need to set the scene a little bit. We've been going through the book of Mark and seeing different, you know, different things that Jesus is doing. Uh, and the way that Mark is presenting it is, is a, lot of t- a lot of times it's um, very quick, very fast-paced, and, and we see the word immediately a lot. And so if, we, if we're going to set the scene, we've got we to gotta understand a little bit of what's going on. It's the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was a big deal. Uh, it, was, it was one of the days which they had probably added the most laws to. We, we heard um, last week uh, some of the just ridiculous laws that the Pharisees had. Uh, another one, just for your information, the Pharisees and those who are adding to God's law were not allowed to walk more than 1,999 steps on the Sabbath. And, and, and that's just ridiculous. They think that they would then be working and breaking the Sabbath by that, but, but we saw that, that their rules were added to what God had originally intended his law to be. And so they're in the synagogue. The synagogue, remember, is a place of worship. It's where they would gather to hear uh, readings from from what we would now call the Old Testament and and to hear God's word read to them. And there's a man with a withered hand. And that might be something that, that, you know, it's, it's easy to just quickly brush by. But I think it's, it's something that we need to just, just pause on for a second. Because most likely, this man with the physical handicap, a, a withered hand, would not have been allowed in the synagogue. Uh, we, we can read uh, the example of the, the book of Job where this, this wrong idea comes from, that if you have some sort of uh, malformation, some sort of physical handicap, chances are... In your life, there's some sort of sin that has caused this. 
And if it hasn't been healed, then you haven't dealt with that sin. And so the man with the withered hand, they would have wrongly put that sort of weight on him. They would have said, oh, yeah, you know, you have a withered hand, so you're not even allowed in this place of worship, the synagogue. So it's most likely, and we can't say this for sure, but most likely that the Pharisees brought this man into the synagogue for the specific purpose of trying to capture Jesus. Trying to make, you know, to to tempt him in some way to see if he would heal this man or not. And really, this just reveals the wrong thinking, the hard hearts of the Pharisees. That they were more concerned with using this man with the withered hand as exhibit A to try to capture Jesus instead of showing him compassion. They could have, you know, wanted Jesus to heal him, to show him compassion because he was not able to work. He is not able to provide a living for his family. And so they place this man here to tempt Jesus, to try to, to try to trip him up. And the text says in verse 2 that they watched Jesus. And the kind of watching that they're doing is not some just sort of curiosity. They're watching him intently. Almost like a hawk watching its prey. The Pharisees wanted to swoop in and capture Jesus in this time. They're watching from a distance. They, they see this man with a withered hand. They see Jesus and they're trying to see what's going to happen. And maybe you have, have experienced something similar to this. Uh, some sort of feeling where you tell someone that you're a Christian and, and they watch you to see where you are going to sin. To see where you're going to mess up so they can shove that in your face and say, see, you're a Christian. You, you, you think you're perfect, but you're not. And, and this is the kind of thing that the Pharisees were doing. But, but we have news. We, we are not perfect. Jesus was perfect. Uh, and so when someone watches us in that way, yeah, they're going to see us mess up. But Jesus here in this passage is not messing up. He's not sinning. They're watching Jesus because Jesus' righteousness has become a threat to their self-righteousness. They think that they can earn righteousness. That they can, they can stand before God and say, yes, I have kept all of these extra laws and, and therefore I have earned this righteousness. Now this, this is what is known as legalism. That, that you think you can add to God's word in order to gain righteousness. But that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. The Pharisees would have been on, on this, this sort of performance treadmill. That they keep adding laws. And they keep on walking, but they're not getting anywhere. They're just staying in the same spot while Jesus is already standing at the finish line and saying, I alone have earned righteousness. 
And the only way that we can then be given that righteousness is through faith. If that is, if that is something that you can relate to, this, this idea of a performance treadmill, that you think you have to earn what God freely gives, hear the hope of the gospel that Christ has earned and freely gives through faith righteousness before God. And this reveals that the Pharisees did not, in fact, have faith. They had, they had works. And, and I, I sat in towards the end of the uh, Sunday school class through James that, that if you try to do works before faith, you have the order mixed up. You have to have faith that leads to works. It's not, you know, you, you can't work your faith. You have to, uh, you have, to have the faith first and then work it out. And the Pharisees had the order mixed up. They, they had no faith, and they had hard hearts. So the first thing we see from this text, the Pharisees' hearts were hardened toward Jesus. Their hearts were calloused, thick, dead, and numb to God's word. So why were they in the synagogue? Remember, the synagogue is a place of worship. So you would think that they would be there to worship, right? Well, what does the text say? In verse 2, it says, They watched Jesus so that they might accuse him. They're not there to worship. The Pharisees are there to accuse Jesus. They weren't trying to see if Jesus could heal this man. They've already seen in, in some of the passages that we've already discussed in Mark that, that he can heal. They, they have no doubt that, that Jesus can heal. He's already healed the paralytic. Uh, he's already healed the man with the unclean spirit. They've seen all of this happen. He's healed the leper. They're not questioning if he can heal. They're questioning if he will heal. And, and if he does heal, then according to their law, he is breaking the Sabbath. Uh, Matthew, in, in his account of this, gives a little, a little more insight in Matthew chapter 12 into what exactly their law for the Sabbath was. In verse, uh, starting in verse 9, a man with a withered hand said, is it, the, the Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees' law was you cannot heal someone on the Sabbath. You cannot help someone on the Sabbath unless... It is a life or death situation. So the, the sheep that's in the pit most likely is, is going to die. But on the Sabbath, they would allow you to pull it out because it's a life or death situation. And Jesus here in his response in Matthew says that how much more value is the man than the sheep? So he's, he's getting at the heart of the problem and saying this man 
who can't work, who can't provide a living, needs to be healed. The Pharisees would have much rather heard Jesus say, how about, uh, how about maybe you call my secretary, set up an appointment with me tomorrow, and I can heal you then when it's not the Sabbath. Because they think that healing someone on the Sabbath is work. And so instead of worshiping Jesus as healer, they're trying to accuse him as Sabbath breaker. And Jesus' question in response to them reveals their hard hearts. Verse 4, he says in, in Mark, again, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Jesus is asking them what, what, he, wants them, what he wants him to do. And his question is revealing the heart of the Pharisees. And, and of course, the Pharisees have, have this great answer drawn from the pages of Scripture where they can clearly argue that, yes, breaking the Sabbath uh, by healing someone, oh, they, have, they have this great answer, right? That they're able to, to say, yeah, we'll point you specifically to chapter and verse. Well, no, that's not the case. They're silent. Because they know if they answer, they're either going to reveal what's going on in their hearts, in, in really the fact that they are the Sabbath breakers, or they're going to reveal that, that Jesus is not breaking the Sabbath as they think he is. So they're silent. They can't answer Jesus. And Jesus asks this question to show their hardness of heart. To show that their law has missed the point. In the deafening sound of their silence, Jesus reveals that the, the law that is supposed to make us love God and love people has made them hate God and think that their neighbor isn't good enough. They have become the standard of righteousness in and of themselves. And, and they're thinking, you know, the only way that we can be righteous is to follow all of these rules. To follow all of the extra laws and things that they have added, when in reality, it is by faith, by grace, through faith, that righteousness comes. We see what God's Word says about how we are to view the law. Uh, you can read... Uh, the psalm, you can, you can find probably in most books in the Old Testament how we are rightly to view God's law. Just a few, for example. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The Pharisees were not being revived by it. Their, their souls were being placed under some sort of great weight that they couldn't stand up to because they're not going to be able to follow all of the laws that they have placed over themselves. So they would not think that the law of the Lord is perfect and they would not be revived in their souls by it. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. 
I really doubt that the Pharisees were saying that they loved the law. Psalm 1 verse 2 says, His delight is on the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. Again, this is not what the Pharisees were doing. They were adding to what God had given. And they're thinking that by doing so, they can gain righteousness. So we see from the pages of Scripture that the law of God is meant to bring us closer to the God of the law. And that Sabbath rest is meant to make us rest in the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is showing great authority in in healing this man on the Sabbath. And we saw even last week that he says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And, And in this exchange he's proving that in fact he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And saying that we find our true rest in him. And this wrong understanding that the Pharisees had, the wrong understanding of the Sabbath, the wrong understanding of God's word, showed their hard hearts. And their hard hearts grieved Jesus. So the second thing we see is that the heart of Jesus was grieved. And how how does he respond to this? In, In the exchange... Starting in verse 4, he says, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus is experiencing here righteous indignation. He is angry at their sin. And it grieves him. He knows that that healing this man would allow him to work again. He knows that healing this man would allow him to provide for his family again. And yet, the Pharisees don't want him to. They don't want Jesus to show this compassion to this man. And so Jesus' question in verse 4 Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? Should have been answered by the Pharisees. Well, yeah, it's lawful to do good. They should have said that. Knowing that it would not violate the Old Testament law. It would not violate uh, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But it would violate the law that they have added to that. So they can't answer. And this makes Jesus... Angry that the, the religious leaders of the day, the ones who are spending all of their time reading and studying sacred scripture, miss the point. They don't get it. They don't get that the law of God is supposed to bring us closer to the God of the law. And Jesus is angry that these religious leaders care more about their traditions than the welfare of a suffering human being. The law is not supposed to do that. Self-righteousness does that. They think that they are the standard. 
they think that, you know, they have to add to God's law. And if they don't follow it, they will not be righteous. But their traditions have removed any sort of idea of compassion from their hearts. That they no longer can look at a suffering human being and, and say, well, how can I help this person? Because they're so caught up in trying to follow all of the rules that they have placed on themselves. Their hearts were so hard that they had no compassion. And this grieved our Lord. And it is in the same way that we too should grieve over sin. That we should grieve over hardness of heart, both our own and, and, and that of this world. That hard hearts keep us from God and keep us from truly worshiping Him and showing compassion to others. And even after seeing Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle, and showing compassion in front of them, they still will not worship. Because their hearts were calloused. They were dead. They were numb to God's Word. And this grieves Jesus. And in His question again, and in this whole passage, Jesus is revealing the heart of the matter. He's not letting the Pharisees, you know, kind of skip by with their misunderstanding. He is coming straight to their heart, and the question that he asks, uh, we've already talked about, reveals that. So we need to ask, what is the root of the problem? What has caused this? And, And I think that we can say that the heart of the matter is that the heart is the matter. That when we are not truly worshiping God, it is because our hearts are not aligned with His Word. They're not aligned with, with how he, uh, he calls us in His Word to worship Him. We're, we're hard toward God. We're not loving God and not loving people. And this is exactly what the Pharisees are showing us. That hard hearts will not worship God. Hard hearts are going to view God's law wrongly. And a wrong view of God is going to lead us away from the God of the law. As a new guitar player, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was after the calluses formed, I decided it would be a great idea to rip them off. And, and I, I thought, you know, I, 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 just, I just need to get rid of those. Just kind of started picking at them slowly at first and then, then would just peel them away. And then, and then I tried to play guitar again. It hurt. My fingers were so tender that I could not bear the pain of playing guitar. And so they had to reform, they had to callous again and all that. But as a guitar player, that was a mistake. As someone reading the Word of God, that is probably the best thing that we could do. 
to seek God and ask Him to reveal what hardness remains in our hearts, come to Him asking Him to remove that. To rip away the calluses so that our hearts are tender before Him. So that we can come before Him with meekness. As James says, receive with meekness the implanted word. So that God can shape and mold our hearts to rightly view His law. And it may hurt. It may be really, really painful. But it's something that that we need to to daily search ourselves and, and ask God to say, what hardness remains in me so that God can strip it away and soften our hearts again we need to come before God's word with tender hearts seeking him knowing that he will draw us to himself and knowing that he will heal the brokenness that remains I was reminded uh, the other day of of a passage I was talking with Craig Uh, And he reminded me of a passage in Hebrews chapter 3. A passage that fits so well with what we're talking about. Uh, Hebrews 3, 7 through 14 speaks of this idea. And And it helps us understand what we are to do from here. So starting in verse 7 it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Now, he's talking about the Israelites wandering through the desert. They're being led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And yet there is a hardness that remains in their hearts That makes them question the goodness of God. It makes them kind of wonder, well, you know, what is is God doing here? Can we trust Him? And yet they, they are seeing God at work in front of them. The pillar of cloud is 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 leading them. It goes on. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart and have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Then he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any evil, be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. So this can exist in all of us. There is hardness that remains. Remember, he's speaking to believers here. And he says, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. When, when we don't view God's law rightly, that's what's going to happen. And we prevent that by verse 13. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's plenty of of temptation. There's plenty of things out there 
that could draw us away, not only from God, but from, from fellowship with other believers. And in order to avoid that, in order to, be, uh, in order to avoid being drawn away and hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, we need each other. We need to be exhorting one another daily, encouraging one another with Scripture so that our hearts may not be led astray and hardened by this deceitfulness of sin. And the promise in verse 14 is that we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That's that's what we need. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need someone who can speak into our lives to point out any hardness that remains. So, does that make it difficult to read the Word of God at times? Knowing that you're going to go before the Word of God and that hardness is going to be peeled away? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hard sometimes to read the Word of God knowing that God is going to work on your heart. And yet, that is exactly what we need to do. That even in the difficulty, even in, in you know, the tearing away of hardness, we come to God's Word with a tender heart, knowing that He is going to, to heal knowing that He is going to form and mold and shape us into what He wants us to be. Or maybe, you know, it's, it's not difficult to read the Word of God, but when you read the Word of God, you, you, you hold some sort of shield up in front of your heart. That you can be a hearer of the Word, but not a doer of the Word. And that's because... You, you're guarding yourself. That's the struggle that I have. That as I read the Word of God, I, I, I can sit and read, but, but I don't always then go to the doing aspect of it. To let it sink into my heart and change something there. To reveal hardness. To reveal some sort of sin in my life. And so... Either one of those struggles would make it difficult to read the Word of God, but, but we still need to. We need to be disciplined in reading God's Word, knowing that He is changing us. So, what is it then that we are to do? Well, we can't look at the Pharisees and, and see their hardness of heart and not see our own. Uh, the Pharisees, they, they went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians how they would destroy Jesus. That's some pretty serious hardness. And yet, there's hardness that remains in our hearts. And if we don't see that, if we just look at them and say, those Pharisees, their hearts are so hard, we're being just like them. So we need to see the hardness that remains in our hearts. And we need to ask God to deal with it. We need to come to His Word tender-heartedly and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to change our hearts, to soften our hearts, and to let His Word 
do that. And we do that by prayer. We do that by praying before you read, during Scripture reading, or after, and asking God to speak to you through His Word. You know that every time you open this book, God is speaking. That alone should change our hearts, should change how we come to the Word of God. We need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that that I I find most helpful in in revealing hardness in my heart is is sitting with someone else, uh, a fellow believer, someone who can uh, see my blind spots. Because there are areas in my life where I think I've got it all figured out. And then I sit down with someone else and they're like, you know what, maybe, maybe you should think about that a little bit more. And that helps to reveal hardness that remains in my heart. And, and that really is one of the main components of discipleship. That, that we are helping someone else follow Christ. And if we're going to help someone else follow Christ, it's, it's a matter of, of you know, seeing the hardness that remains. It's a matter of of, uh, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ and, and, and bearing one another's burdens and, and praying for one another and reading God's word with, with one another, exhorting one another as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so meeting with someone, reading God's word, praying and asking God to reveal all of these things to you and sitting with someone else is, is going to, to be very helpful. It's going to be able to, to reveal things that you have no idea about, to be exhorted, to be encouraged, to be challenged by someone else. Because we're not meant to live the Christian life alone. We're not meant to, to you know, think that, that we've got it all figured out, to think that we can earn righteousness, to think that we can add to God's law, God's law is perfect, and it revives the soul. And so we come to it with tender hearts. And so may God's word reveal to us the heart of the matter so that the gospel message will bring healing to our withered hands and softening to our hard hearts. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We pray that you would work, God, and that you would reveal hardness in our hearts. Help us to trust you, to heal, and help us, God, to seek you alone for righteousness, to seek you alone for for guidance. And I pray that you would be with each and every one of us, God, as we go from this place to ponder what it is your word says. May you challenge us, God, and may you continually draw us closer to yourself as you conform us to the image of Christ. We love you, God. We praise you and thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.